0: Your success in the world is based on the amount of joy you're experiencing on a day-to-day basis and the amount of energy that you have to put into all of the ways you create change and you create abundance and positivity for the world.
1: That's Christine Pedersen. I'm Kara Duffy, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. I am so excited to have you on the Powerful Ladies podcast today. I had the pleasure of meeting you at your brother, Andrew's art show that you were on our Superman team for back in October. And he had told me all about you when he and I first started working together, started following you right away. And I had told my team, I'm like, we're going to have her on the podcast. What she's doing is so interesting. And you're finally here. And that's my favorite when I've been waiting and now it comes around. So Let's tell everyone who you are, where you are in the world, and what you do.
0: Great. Thank you, Kara. I am excited, too. You're such a force, uh, and it's beautiful to connect two forces together. It'll be fun to see where we go with this. Um, I'm Christine Pedersen. I currently live in Moscow, Idaho, which is a sweet little town that just keeps pulling me back with its simplicity and ease and its focus on community. And that is really what I'm all about these days, creating community for spiritual folks who are looking to like deepen their experience with themselves and spirit and what they can do in the world. And I also focus that on families in particular. So I started in education. I was working teaching high school for 10 years and had a lot of stress. And insomnia, and I really struggled with boundaries. I wanted to help everyone all the time, and everywhere I looked was some problem that needed to be fixed. And wow, I've learned a lot since those days, but it's really interesting. That is where my journey started, and I went from leaving public education to teaching yoga in schools. So I taught prenatal, postnatal yoga and I taught yoga for preschoolers, which was just that. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so needed. And I'm like, how can we do this at the youngest age possible? Start thinking of listening within when we're 18 months old. And like, we all needed that when we were 18 months old. And yet we, I'm 45 and I'm still learning that listening within lesson,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how valuable it is. And then once I had children myself, I realized how hard the postpartum journey is. So I spend a lot of my time, when I'm not teaching yoga these days, coaching parents. Um, I have a newborn sleep plan, so I myself struggled with sleep, and after having an infant who struggled to sleep, I became a pediatric sleep consultant, Mm -hmm. so I help families get their kiddos sleeping, and I'm now doing that in a really mindful, respectful, and kind way, And I'm sure we'll dive into this a little bit more, but the idea that you can have healthy boundaries and you can create a really strong attachment at the same time that you hold boundaries to keep yourself and your family safe.
1: The power of and, right? You can do it and that and you can have it all and it actually works better. (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Little did we know. Yeah. Yeah. Did you always, like, you became a teacher. I'm assuming you were thought about being a teacher from a young age. And I see a pattern of helping people, educating people, and especially embracing the either young parts of people or just young people in general. Is Would 8 year old you be like, yep, that's exactly what I thought I'd be doing? I have no
0: idea what the (laughs) eight-year-old me would have wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, it's so interesting to think about the eight-year-old me, right? There's like the, there's this eight-year-old inside of us. And then there's this teenager inside of us, which is really interesting to think about both of them. Mm -hmm. In my case, both were very focused on performing and pleasing for others. Yeah, I was, I was not directed at all or focused at all on looking inside myself and listening to what I needed. I was like 100% focused on looking out at the world and doing damage control. So I'm one of those sensitive people who is just has this sort of an internal sensor mm-hmm. that's always ready. My nervous system has always been a little bit on fire, ready mm-hmm. for the next uh, tragedy. Or, you know, as an eight-year-old, I was very involved with, like, endangered species. And we recently traveled to Mexico, and I saw the Greenpeace ship. And I was like, I spent so much money and time in my younger days, like, raising money and sending it off to Greenpeace. I got really teary and was like, there's so much of my childhood wrapped up in this. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to help people, and I wanted to save the world. And um, I saw a lot of hurting Mm -hmm. and a lot of struggle that I think I felt pretty powerless to face or, um, or not to face, but pretty powerless to change, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't afraid to face
1: it. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting distinction because there are a lot of people I know who are, who are just so disheartened by the things that they don't like in the world or wish could be different. And because they don't think they can affect it, they just kind of put up the blinders and go the other yeah. direction. Where I'm the opposite person where I'm like, well, I can't stop thinking about it till we fix it. So what are we gonna do? Yeah. And so I think it's interesting that you got to hold those two spaces of feeling disempowered, but also being like, and I'm just gonna stare at it. Cause maybe if I stare at it long enough, it will dissolve. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I think my adult self, I've done a lot of healing recently, and I would say that my adult self doesn't necessarily agree with the, like, it's not my job to fix everything. Um, It's my job to notice what I'm in control of and what I'm not in control of. And um, before COVID, I tried to do some codependent recovery, but it actually Mm -hmm. wasn't until Like my own physical health and well-being and the well-being of my family was dependent on me saying no and me making a choice that other people might not agree with or might be disappointed in that where I actually had to own this idea of self-care. Before that, I was like a self-care, I faked self-care. In fact, Mm -hmm. I love to joke with my clients that I would lie to my therapists. Just to like let help them think that I was doing okay because I wanted them to know that they were doing a great job helping (laughs) helping me on my path to healing. I you know I didn't want to be a disappointment and so I would I would pretend that I was fine and I mean that right there is just like a huge codependent red flag right that my well being is always being rated on what other people are observing mm-hmm. or thinking about me. So it was a really interesting shift to be like, yeah, wait a minute, check in with yourself before you make choices about mm-hmm. your career and your vaccination status and all of these things that we, we ha- have weighing in on our decision-making process. If we're sensitive carers of the world, right? Like growing up like that, it actually felt like I was making a moral and ethical choice to go against the world when I started taking care of myself.
1: Yep. It was so hard. How dare you become number two, let alone number one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. And so it's fun. I get to teach selfishness now and I'm like, let's reclaim this idea of selfishness and sort of own the idea that you're Success in the world isn't based on other people's observations or judgments of you. Your success in the world is based on the amount of joy you're experiencing on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. and the amount of energy that you have to put into all of the ways you create change Mm -hmm. and you create abundance and positivity for the world.
1: Well, and I think, too, you you work in such a unique space of like new and young parents and yeah. the world is currently not set up to give parents of any kinds like extraordinary grace like yeah. everyone's doing it wrong not doing it good enough yeah. all we talk about is what you should fix and change and improve and yeah. i keep going back to like the women in mongolia who ride horses their whole pregnancy strap yeah. their kids to their back keep doing all their things those kids Look like they're fine, like seems to be working, <laughs> right? Right. They're not going they're, to piano. They're not going the other places. Yeah. What are they modeling for their kids? Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. Just like strength, resilience. I'm gonna do me. Yeah. Right. And and yet, uh, you're right. There's so much judgment on new parents. It's very rare to have someone asking whether it's your in laws or you know, your medical care providers or your sleep trainer, right? Like mm-hmm. this is something that I'm really focused on is just asking like what's what works for you, what's feeling best for you, what's your intuition telling you? Mm-hmm. And uh and I will say that a lot of responses that I get aren't based in like real intuition and knowing. Yeah. It's based in a scarcity mindset. It's based in a fear, it's based in trauma. So they're not able to answer honestly, like, how, what do I really feel or notice when I stand in my power? because we're mm-hmm. not standing in our power. We've been really, really disempowered as women in general during pregnancy, for sure. Mm-hmm. and in our postpartum experience during my pregnancy, I really did not like um limitation defining what I couldn't couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, did I reduce the amount of sushi that I ate? Yes. Yes, I did. Did I eliminate it entirely? No. I also I have a picture of me doing a handstand at you know well beyond the recommended time and I was like don't show this to my midwives who were of course my <laughs> yoga students so they knew. But um yeah, I wasn't slowing down for anyone and I also know that in my prenatal postnatal yoga training, which is interesting mm-hmm. that you got the opposite feedback. Mm-hmm. I got the feedback that the human body needs to be touched, that that mm-hmm. touch between yoga participants and yep. for me to come along at the end of class and put my hands oh, on shoulders mm-hmm. or on the head Or, I mean, even just like touching pressure points where they could have sinus blockage Hmm. or whatever, like these healing, there's so many things our hands can do that are really healing and helpful. And the body's hormone levels are just getting ready to connect with this baby that's saying nothing but touch me, please, right? Cuddle me and snuggle me. So it's so interesting um, that our culture really doesn't promote that either, right? Again, it's the fear over. Mm-hmm. Like because there are people who may really struggle with physical contact during yoga class, we never want to touch any of our students. Ask first.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I'm pretty good about asking first, but I'm also assuming if you're in my class in a pre-postnatal yoga class, that you came there to engage and deeply connect. So I do a lot of partner poses. All of my classes start with like a warm up and um some active standing poses and then in every class we balance together so we use each other for balance touch points and then okay. we also do a little massage. So like s- stretching by pulling against each mm-hmm. other and lifting each other's heads and giving some traction and just having that that kinesthetic feedback mm-hmm. touch and connection is so vital. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily think that people come to that class because of that. But if I don't perform those tasks, if I have another agenda for a few weeks, mm-hmm. I hear about it. Yes. They're like, can <laughs> we touch each other
1: today? Which is so cool. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I, it broke my heart to hear that I, uh, there's studies, right? That we need six, 10, however many yep. hugs a day to be optimum. Mm-hmm. So... For all the people who are living alone, like, we have to be, like, seeking hugs as much as we can. And then they removed the ability for priests and other spiritual leaders to hug people in prison. And, of course, there was a a direct correlation between emotional behavior, acting out, just the, the general life force of the people who were allegedly rehabilitating. And I... I love that we wandered into this touch component because I don't think that it's something that is culturally accepted enough. Like everyone's like, yeah. especially in the U.S., right? it's like, okay, give me my three feet of space. Like the excuse to not with, come within six feet during COVID, I think some people were like, yes. Uh, and then I, I just think we're missing that component of there's so much communication to be had in it. Like it's very hard to... Hold someone else's hand or touch someone's shoulder without becoming more in tune with what's actually happening to them. Like yeah. I, it would be weird for me not to touch someone and feel something different that I couldn't sense from three feet away. Yeah. Um, so when you were talking about like helping people rediscover their listening and their knowing and that spiritual side, does that cross over into that space as well?
0: A physical connection hmm. I mean, I don't
1: know. I was just
0: I was just thinking about that, like how sweet we can how sweetly we can connect with people mm-hmm. through eye contact. Yeah. And honestly, one of the coolest things I learned during our lockdown was that the energy that comes through a Zoom meeting is weirdly. Yeah. Like, communicative and emotive. So Mm -hmm. I was always shocked at how like rejuvenated and energized I'm an extrovert. So I really looked, I I continued teaching yoga almost immediately got on zoom to teach yoga because I Mm -hmm. needed that touch point with Mm -hmm. other sweet souls out there in the galaxy to like be, to be Mm -hmm. available to see and be seen. And Mm -hmm. I think you can do that anywhere. Mm -hmm. And You know, like if you're really making yourself available, you can also avoid seeing and being seen anywhere. Like we also know the people that really struggle Mm -hmm. to be seen regardless of what mode of communication they have. Um, Do I absolutely thrive on a nice eight second, let's take three breaths together and just like (laughs) wrap our arms around each other and dig Mm -hmm. into this hug because a quick one is not going to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I have like I have people in my life who just know like that's how we hug, yeah. So when I see them in the grocery store, it's not a a quick side hug, right? It's like, I'm coming at you, right? i'm, I'm coming <laughs> in for a big old hug. And mm-hmm. then I have other people in my life who probably aren't comfortable with that. But how cool is it that you can you can create those points of connection? with mm-hmm. people. And I do oftentimes at the end of yoga classes say like, if you didn't get enough oxytocin in this class, then let's connect with two or three other people and you can give a silent hug.
1: Yeah.
0: Like it doesn't have to be a 20 minute conversation. Um, You don't have to open up a big old can of worms to see and be seen. You can just mm-hmm. have eye contact and mm-hmm. a juicy hug. So I think it really depends on who you are and how you want to connect. But I think the intention of connection being there is the key.
1: Mm-hmm. That reminded me of one of the coolest things I've ever done in a coaching training program. They had everyone in the class line up in two rows. We faced each other. And for a minute each, you would rotate between your partners. Yep. And all you did was just keep eye contact for the mm-hmm. minute. Yep. It is if you want a moving emotional experience that rips your heart out and you actually, Did you just cry. Oh, it, it's like, you see, like you are literally looking at someone's soul and like, it took 60 seconds with someone that I barely knew. Yep. And I just knew things about them. Like yep. there is no way to not know them. And I'm like, why don't we do this more regularly? Like I, maybe I need to start doing it in my happy hours. <laughs> we're we're going to do an awkward stare and then we'll all talk to each other. But it's,
0: I do it regularly in my yoga classes. I just have them sit knee to knee and take mm-hmm. a minute. And you know, no one says that was easy and I'd love to do yeah. more of those. Um, and we laugh sometimes about like, you'd never do that in the grocery store. And it's my job as your yoga teacher to create uncomfortable spaces yep. for you to like really dig into what it means to share humanity with another, mm-hmm. like human who's well, going through all their own stuff that you don't have yeah. to take responsibility for. You can just bear witness. Yeah.
1: Well, and we do this with our pets all the time. Right? Like I often am just staring into brisket's eyes and I'm like, I know you're more than a dog. I know you are. You are my soulmate. Yeah. You can't look into something's eyes for more than five seconds and then be like, I do want a hamburger. Like, that's not how yeah. it works. So um, nope. it's so interesting that we feel safe doing it with animals. But with people, it's like, oh, this is going to get weird because I think we know that they're going to see us, too.
0: Absolutely. And isn't that terrifying? And that's, Mm -hmm. I think, I think it's the interesting thing. Like the reason that we cry is that we see this, like our friends are holding up a mirror for us Mm -hmm. of like, we're getting to see deeply into like their sorrow and pain and their growth and healing. And we're also having to reveal this to ourselves and to them and to the world. Yeah. It's like a journaling practice, right, where you're just yes. getting called out, but it's just a minute of staring into someone's eyes and you don't have to explain anything. That's what I love mm-hmm. about it. No. Nope. Don't have to explain anything.
1: There's no talking. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So you're in a position where you are your whole world is set up to be empowering people. You're also raising two powerful ladies of your own. How How do you define the words powerful and ladies? And when they're next to each other, do those definitions change?
0: Uh, Oh, that's really a great question. I love the idea. And I say this a lot in descriptions of yoga classes or even online classes. I should be using it more. Stand in your power. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I think that that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people and sometimes power feels aggressive, but I really love the idea of teaching it from an alignment standpoint. Mm-hmm. So feeling your feet connected to mother earth, feeling yourself like correcting misalignments yeah. that happen while we're standing at the grocery store that happened while we're chopping vegetables or scrolling on our phones. Like how can we see, stand in alignment with who we are, really take a breath and feel our heart beating and open to our deepest knowing and our deepest power.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I love this idea of just getting still. And the problem, I think, with finding our power on a day-to-day basis Is that we think it takes a lot of time and energy, but really it just takes touching back and knowing who we are, being present, Mm -hmm. being honest about our energy levels, right? But it is amazing how that presence gives you power Mm -hmm. and it makes it so much easier to empower others. When you recognize that you, when you can stand and be really present and really open to your truth, Mm -hmm. it creates this never-ending well of energy and abundance.
1: You know, we go, I love where this is going. I love the idea of your whole world is connecting people to be in alignment so they can access their power. because. There there are steps to doing these things. Like I joke that yeah. I go to my hairdresser, my hair looks great, and I'm like, give me tips so I can do this by myself. I get home. I can never recreate it because yeah. we're clearly missing steps zero through six. <laughs> like <laughs> the foundation of which right. I am doing my hair, There's oh. I'm missing some core functions. Oh. And I think that's the same thing that happens so often when there's all these people who are sharing their knowledge and sharing what's worked for them it's how do we get back to step negative five yeah. so we can meet people who need us the most where they are. Like how, how have you experienced that journey and bringing the growth you've had and like going backwards to meet the people that you are serving in yoga, in the sleep training and just everyone that you're building a community with?
0: Yeah, I think it's challenging. And I look back at my own experience and I see, Thought this knowledge from others for a very long time Mm -hmm. and was completely unable to access it because all of my effort and energy was going into just making it look from outside appearances like I was holding it together. Yeah. I could not do the healing. So I think a lot of what I do is just modeling caring less about what other people think yeah, and tuning in more to what I really need. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. that time of year where everyone's making New Year's resolutions. And as I like look through my Facebook feed and everyone's talking about the five pounds they haven't lost for the last 20 years, but this is going to be the year that they Mm -hmm. spend 80% of their effort in life trying to lose five pounds, that last five pounds. I'm like, I don't really think if you listen within that's your heart's <laughs> desire. Like I think yeah. that that's our cultural desire for you to like look and feel skinnier and healthier and shinier mm-hmm. and younger, right? I'm 45 and I'm really getting hit by the youth ads and I'm like what would it look like to love myself with wrinkles and mm-hmm. creaky knees and and then how do I model that for folks who don't have the energy to take care of themselves in the way they really need to, because their self-care is performative.
1: Well, and my head just instantly goes to, if your issue is five pounds, chances are that's an emotional five pounds. So whatever you do, like at the gym or food, isn't going to get rid of them anyway. (laughs) No, also, if you if you take a minute to learn anything
0: about like diets and set points and metabolism, like what we know now is that diets don't work, that our body has a set point it wants to be at. And you can work so hard to (laughs) change it temporarily, see great results and have everyone pat you on the back for the Mm -hmm. effort and the energy that you put into wearing that pair of jeans. And three months later, you're back at your set point feeling like a failure. So just love your body and feel grateful for where it's at and know that you can be healthy at every size. And, and then, and then how much more energy you're getting that 80% of the energy that you were doing, like meal planning and exercising and all of the things, like there's so much joy that opens up when you take, Like when I took my disordered eating and my disordered exercise out of the picture, I was like, oh, I cannot believe how much energy I have for healing yeah. <laughs> and helping others because I'm yeah. not spending 10 hours a day either shaming myself or planning to restrict or punish myself well, so that I can the- lose that last five pounds.
1: And then on the other side, too, being mad at yourself for wanting tacos, yeah. wanting a margarita. Like in, if you're yeah. going to do it, at least enjoy it. Like... <laughs> Exactly. We're we're so mean to ourselves. Well,
0: and that actually has been an interesting, and I think I could, I have spent entire coaching calls with my clients Mm
1: -hmm. on
0: this idea of you will never be able to stop punishing your children unless you can stop punishing yourself. And all of the ways that we as adults threaten, punish, restrict, Mm -hmm. and otherwise make ourselves miserable. And we're totally, Totally unconscious about it.
1: I I want to repeat that because I think that is a, a huge bell ringer of a aha moment. If you cannot change how you punish your children, if you don't change how you punish yourself, yeah, like that's a big deal. And, and I don't think most people are even aware of how they punish themselves. No. Um, you know, I actually sent, um, uh this video i found to andrew yesterday of this dad who was in a car with his daughter his daughter he was thinking and his daughter goes dad what's wrong and he's like oh nothing and he stopped himself and realized he just turned off her intuition Mm -hmm, by saying like everything was fine because now she's doubting herself or she knows he's a liar so he went back and he said thank you for asking how i was feeling I was thinking about something that's causing me stress. I'm okay, but I want to acknowledge that you noticed it. And you noticed this theme of noticing keeps showing up in different things I've been looking at lately. There was even last year, a mother who changed her chore pattern. And this may even come from your page for like of a mother who stopped giving chores and started acknowledging kids when they noticed when something had to be done, the trash, the clean up. And I, it made, it gave me this aha moment of how so many people are not trained to notice.
0: No, we love to turn off our noticing that actually feels safer for us.
1: Yeah. And, and you and I are both oldest, so I don't know if being oldest, like you don't have a choice, like you have to notice on behalf of other people, but it's like the classic guy trope of like, they don't notice when the sinks full. they don't notice when, um, you're supposed to show up in this way. And I'm like, uh, how are we conditioning, not just the stereotypical men, male trope, but how are we conditioning all people to turn off their noticing, which I think is in, in alignment with turning off your knowing and your intuition. Yeah. So how, how are you helping people get back to those things? Like, are you pointing out to parents, like, this might be how you are <laughs> punishing yourself? Like, how are you helping people make those steps back?
0: I mean, that is the biggest question. Mm-hmm. And and that's the fun thing about coaching is that yeah. we get to ask questions and then um, the community sort of shares out. And I actually find that to be really helpful. In fact, the mm-hmm. most fun that I've ever had helping parents has been in a group setting where they're all cheering each other on.
1: Yeah,
0: And I asked the question after saying, you can't stop punishing your kids unless you stop punishing yourself. And everyone's like, well, I don't punish myself. But then when I asked the question, what When you listen to your own voice inside your head, what does it sound like? What tone are you speaking into yourself? What are the words that you're saying? What we find is that it's full of judgment, and it's usually a voice that sounds a lot like a difficult member of like an authoritarian person in your life, Mm -hmm. either a teacher or a member of your church or a parent or a grandparent who wanted you to be something different than you were. Yeah. And that's really common. So you're going to punish yourself in their voice. And those punishing thoughts are maybe something that that person would never say to you, but their voice is in your head because you you took that on and you took that in. So that's a really interesting Part of like opening that up. What is what is that voice mm-hmm. inside your head? Where is that coming from? What does it sound like? And and then how is that different from your true authentic voice? And mm-hmm. just teaching people how to speak to themselves like they would speak to a friend is huge. And that's a, a really big change. And we see a lot of parenting shifts coming from there. Because then again, when you can stop the punishing thought and say okay i know i'm experiencing this thought and these feelings and that's mm-hmm. normal and everyone experiences these similar thoughts and feelings i know i'm not alone and i can speak to myself as a friend if my friend was experiencing this what would i say to them and then mm-hmm. actually like write that down or say that or text a friend and say i'm really needing to hear this right now and they're going to say Heck yeah, that's exactly what you should be saying to yourself. So I have people create a lot of different tools for themselves. So they either text me or email me Mm -hmm. or drop me a message or they have a friend group that they've created that's like my healing friend group who are going to be the voice in their head that they need when they catch themselves. But the noticing and the catching themselves is huge. Mm -hmm. And then you can start catching yourself saying those things to your kids. Until you can't you stop the cycle where it starts, which is like deep inside your eight-year-olds, mm-hmm. insecure, fear-based, scarcity mindset self, there's you you can't like untrain or unlearn. Mm-hmm the words, then you're scripting. And I will say that many of my parents come to me and the first thing they want me to do is can you just write me a script for getting out the door in the morning? You just tell me what to say and not sound like an a-hole and I'll say it and make (laughs) me a sleep plan and I'll say these things so that I'm not threatening to like end all playdates and take away all their favorite toys until they go to sleep, right? Like we do awful things at the end of the day (laughs) trying to get our kids to sleep. And I'm like, I can write you a script, but actually what I really want is for you to go to the source and start changing the way that you're punishing yourself. And parents really struggle with it. I mean, it took me years. It took me probably two years of really, really working on all aspects of shame in my life. And that sort of internalized judgmental negativity I had, whether it was because I was a woman or whether it was because I was bigger my body as a dancer, or because I'm a loudmouth who always has a lot to say, and so I'm constantly sticking my foot in my mouth, right? Like, I and your friend over here is going, lot.
1: No, you're not.
0: <laughs> well, it, but it's interesting, right? Like, in the moments where you're like, Get in the car and you're driving away, and you're like, I probably shouldn't have said all that. <laughs> But yeah, so, I mean, yeah I just, it's really hard to change um, the dynamics that we have, and it starts with us, and it's a little bit scary.
1: Yeah, it is scary, but yeah, it's that conversation of real contentment, real happiness, all the good stuff, even confidence. We can't feel it until we're dealing with the stuff we don't want to or asking the question we're afraid to really have an answer to or like saying safe and small sounds good in the short-term moment when you're exhausted and and burnt out but it never leads to anything good like it it just leads to blah man that's not the game i'm playing i don't think you're playing that game either oh
0: no i i Uh, It's really fun. The risks you can take when you are standing in your power and deeply connected to what moves you in the world. And and when you're deeply connected to that, making mistakes, sticking your foot in your mouth and having to go back and repair, it's not that big Mm -hmm. of a deal, right? You know that that's the price of admission of living, I don't want to say fearlessly, but living with courage.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, how have the women in your life given you room and, and to be more courageous and to be more in alignment with yourself?
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I've always been a teacher. So mm-hmm. my closest friends are my favorite students, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I play a role of of teacher to them but I also think it's really important to always be getting like feedback and interesting ideas from students and the the students that I love most are very very close friends now and mm-hmm. we're good at calling each other out. We yeah. are, you know, we're really good at um at being there for each other and supporting each other but we're also good at acknowledging like, I think you could use some support in this area. How can I help you? Mm -hmm. Which sounds a lot different than you're not pulling your weight or you're disappointing me or this isn't working for me. Right. Yeah. Like I I'm sensing you need some support. How can I help you? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. And that, that's really cool. And you know, I, um, I, I, grew up with a mom and a stepmom, and they're both very different and Mm -hmm. amazing in their own way. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I had a lot of great examples for creativity and um, and having a really strong social circle Mm has always been really important to me, whether it was my undergrad days or my teaching days at the high school Mm -hmm. or my yoga teaching days, I really, really love to surround myself with incredible women.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that we've been asking everyone this year is, is what do you want? What are you manifesting? How can this community of powerful ladies help you solve a problem, contribute to you? Um, it's a big group. So what do you need? What do you want? Oh, that's
0: beautiful. Yeah, well, here, so here's the really sweet thing. I've been um, really moving slowly into this year. Mm-hmm. And usually I'm like in November thinking about what I want to manifest. And I have a big vision board and I've got like my words. My word for last year was expansion. I really mm-hmm. wanted to yeah. like grow my classes and reach more people And while that's my goal this year, I'm also a little bit more selfishly focused. Like I want to take a watercolor class and I want to learn to knit better. And it's things that I'm, it's professionally, I'm really like focused on connecting with this really sweet group of people. And I have this should like I should be investing in systems so that I can have 50 people signing up for classes every month. Like I should be scaling and I have to really ask myself like is that my voice or is that the, you know, Instagram algorithm
1: <laughs> yes. telling
0: me what where I should be putting my money. Uh so it's it's a really interesting time for me. And I am my mantra. The beginning of this year is it's safe to pause Mm -hmm. and listen.
1: Yep. I, I really resonate with that because my new year has not started the way I expected to not for any bad reasons, but like things just happened that delayed feeling like running out the door and delayed the like, I think similar to you, like I start doing strategy with my clients in September because it takes a long time. Yeah. And so usually by now I'm like, let's go, like we're in it. And this year has been like so much slower and I'm actually okay with it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have my board on my phone and the, the phrase is getting closer to what matters most. Like that's what this year is about. Well, I love and that. You can borrow it. You can, that's you can great. have it. <laughs> Um, but it, it has been this weird reflection of like, uh, listening more and slowing down and being like, hold on. Like I, I've already knew I was going to be committing to leaning into my f- more feminine energy this year and like feeling versus thinking. Cause it's so easy for me to jump into a logic solution base. And I'm like, hold on. And it's, it's, I'm in that funny, uncomfortable space of like, it feels weird to take a second to make a decision. <laughs> So it's yeah, been really well, interesting.
0: Again, there's like all of these other forces around you. Yeah. I, there's, I, I'm sure you've seen this, but the, um, friends and also like coaches that I look up to posting yeah. things like 24 things I'm going to do in 2024. And I'm like, yeah, is anyone thinking about 2035? Because right. <laughs> is it really sustainable to continue writing lists for the year? Like I'd like 10 bullet points. That's about where I'm at right now. But I think I love what you just said about like getting closer to what's important. What's important to me is not having 24 freaking things to check off. Like I do not need a longer checklist of things to do to make myself better in the world. Like that is definitely not what I need. And and it's an in, it, so it's a really interesting thing to like ask yourself mm-hmm. what is important. What are you moving yeah. closer to? Okay. I'm really curious what it is. Like what are three or four words that you can think of that you're moving closer to?
1: Um I am moving closer to what was that there's a word that I loved it um like uh, clear. Clearing things out. And and I'm using clear instead of clarity, because it's like clearing out physical spaces, clearing out emotional spaces, like making room, right? Spaciousness. So, yeah. And like, so what is is that component? I'm also moving closer to like another layer of listening to myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm such a believer, as you were talking about earlier, that we already know the answers, and regularly, I'm just giving my clients permission to do what they said they wanted to, but either doubted it was possible, or didn't think it was a good idea, or had a lot of doubt around it. So, the self-knowing and the self-trusting component, there's always room to get deeper in that. So, how can I get deeper so I can help my clients get deeper into that as well? Um, and like, so I've been full-time entrepreneur this is, I'm going, I'm in year six. I've done a lot of building. I've done a lot of expansion and there's always things to do. And it's funny that you bring up the the systems component because part of what I do with my clients is we only put the systems in that they need to stop doing, like it's not to do more. It's so you can do less and the system can do it. And people have often asked, like, can't you just put that into a course and I can watch it on my own time? And I'm like, no, because if it's not your system, it won't work. Yeah. And that's a really hard thing for people to do because people want the solution now. Yeah. But we have to do that work of like, what do you really want? Because just because you should doesn't mean, just because you could doesn't mean you should. Yeah. So you don't need Twitter. You don't need every social media platform. You, I told a person the other day, they don't need social media at all. I thought they were going to have a heart attack at first. And then they were like, wait, I don't need to do real. I'm like, no, delete all of it. It's not going to drive you revenue. That's So awesome. why do it? Like, I'm sure in your world, there's so much direct selling referrals. It's like, you know, when people need, if you need less than a hundred customers a year to hit your goals, you technically don't need digital marketing. So yeah that's all we're talking about nowadays. So what does that look like? Like, what does your sales look like?
0: If I'm not going to be posting seven times a day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, like, I bet that's really reassuring to hear, right? What other outlets can we, can we go to? And I, honestly, I love all the alternatives to that. Right. Which is like, I do a lot of Um, connecting with schools, whether I'm I'm talking to parents or I'm talking Mm -hmm. to their teachers and asking questions about how to teach more mindfully and, and parent more mindfully and even like how to work with your coworkers more mindfully. This is the hilarious thing is at the end of our course, what parents always say is, I'm mindfully parenting my husband and my in-laws right now. (laughs) Like the beautiful thing of this system is that I'm like really speaking kindly to myself and to my kids. They're so much more cooperative. Mm -hmm. We're getting so much more done and we have so much more mindful connection. And I'm doing the same thing with my partner and my in-laws. And it's changing Mm -hmm. the way I relate to everyone. Um, So sometimes I have this like, you know, this feeling, this, um, it's almost like an obligation, sort of a feeling Mm -hmm. like it's definitely coming from outside me, but like, what if I just changed this whole thing and did something bigger? But I really love the focus on kids. And you see that as like a theme throughout my world, this like understanding, making space for kids to be more mindful in the world. They can't do it unless their parents are on board too.
1: Well, and, and I really like, Uh, I really get and see where you're coming from in the sense of you know if you fix the parent, and especially the mother-to-children relationship, it starts changing the whole house, which then changes the neighborhood, which changes the town. But you also know that it's not—it's like how do you empower kids at a young age when you know that come age—like the second they are born, if not before, they— Are already having their perfect bundle of energy, beautiful, glowing self. Like parts of it are getting shaded and shadowed already. So, like, we have to teach kids how to protect themselves so they can stay as amazing and pure as as possible. And at the same time, teaching adults not to take away someone's light because most of the time our light's been taken away. It hasn't been from a malicious place, it's been because the adult is f- scared and doesn't know how to properly handle the situation and they have no time and they're all burnt out and decision fatigue is like max. <laughs> yep. And suddenly they do something or say something that completely changes how you see the world and y- you didn't need to. So yep. um, it- it's why I ask about the eight-year-old self because I really think that's such a beautiful age where kids are have one foot solidly in – anything is possible, imagination, dreaming, creating, and one foot in like adulting in the sense, like when you're eight, you can cook some food or make, prepare some food. You like, well, when I was a kid at eight, you could ride your bike away from the house and go do something more adult-like, even if it was buying a Slurpee. So there's like an interesting being able to to translate and exist in both worlds that uh, I think I spend a lot of time getting clients back in because whatever we loved when we were eight is probably going to indicate what we still care about. Like you still care about Greenpeace and the planet and taking care of things. It didn't go away.
0: (laughs) Well, and our, I love also that if we can tap into our playfulness, Mm -hmm. play has a lot more energy than work. Yes. Right. Like, uh, the the inner, if we can bring the same energy to our career that we bring to play, then how beautiful is that? So I love this idea of like it might you might not be classifying your work as play, but how can you bring a playful energy mm-hmm. to it? Um, that's been last year was one of my really big goals. Was expansion and inspired action. So, like, Mm -hmm. always taking action that I felt really excited about. And that meant if I looked at my list of things to do and one thing was just like not happening today, I trusted myself to move that Mm -hmm. to another day when I was inspired to do it and take, tackle these other things. Right. And you know, when you wake up, like, you may have on your list to go to, to get yourself looking great and go on social media and, and be live and post for all (laughs) the world to see. And in that moment, everything in your body is screaming, no, just, Mm -hmm. just sit on the couch with your messy bun and write the article. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like how freeing is it to be able to say like, I'm going to trust myself and I'm going to write the article because I know Mm -hmm. it'll be so much better than me pretending that I want to show up for my audience today. And then other days you wake up and you're like, clear everything on the desk because I've got something to say, right? (laughs) And and it takes no energy or effort on your part to like show up in that way. And yet most of us don't have jobs where we can do this. So Mm -hmm. I'm feeling really grateful as I say this, that you and I both have jobs mm-hmm. where within reason, there's some wiggle room to like really listen to our inner intuition and follow the thing that's going to be easiest and that we're feeling the most playful energy towards during the day. Um, yeah. I feel like we, I work, especially with a lot of people who are like, my life is so miserable in the way that I've set it up that I have to do yoga every morning and I have to get on the rowing machine for 40 minutes every night. And I have to Go mountain biking every single weekend and take the you know like there's all these things I have to do in order to yeah. maintain my sanity. And then you're you're like I'm thinking, well, what would happen if we just looked at creating a life that actually felt good when you went <laughs> through the day to day?
1: Sorry, she fell off the couch. All she woke up, rolled over, and fell off the chair.
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is just an interesting. Um, paradigm shift, and I look at myself in my 20s, -hmm. and I wonder, like, how could I, if I had known better, if someone had taught me this theory in a course, Mm -hmm. would I have been able to apply it? How can we teach our kids these things way younger?
1: Yeah, yeah. I
0: think I would have. Like, I think I would have thought, like, you got something there. And yet our our world is so regimented. When you think about your high school agenda, like all the things you need oh. to do throughout your day, it's just a constant barrage of bells and where other people need you to be and all the assignments you've got to be juggling and turning. in. I honestly don't know how we make it through that phase of our existence. Um, And no wonder we go on to be highly stressed out people who have really unhelpful and unhealthy coping strategies.
1: I still think the hardest I have ever worked were the last two, maybe three years of high school. Yeah. Um, I have not, ne- like, college was easier. Oh, yeah. Adult, like, yes. work was easier. Like, the the pressure, the full schedule between athletics and school, and I don't, like, the fact that I, thank goodness that I did that when there wasn't social media. We just got internet, like, at the end of my high school days. so. Yeah. I spent a lot of time when I wasn't doing something on the schedule just sitting in my room and listening to music. Yeah. And thank God I had that time when I got it, but like it's I think there's an entire structure shift to look at in how we're educating and putting people through high performance systems because yeah well, especially with how much the career path has changed. Like we don't need people to be machines anymore. We don't need people to follow these like such strict schedules. And there's a freedom and a looseness of like people are adults. When we treat them like adults who can make their own choices, they tend to make the choices that benefit everyone. (laughs) So how can like, where's that room? Where's the room to trust people? And I'm sure you're saying it like the more you trust other people, the more you start trusting yourself and vice versa. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, and trust is a big one. In fact, trust is one of my words for this year. Just trusting mm-hmm. that if I need to rest, I'm going to kick ass tomorrow. Trusting yeah. that, you know, I, I can I can have a really tough day with my husband or my kids and mm-hmm. I can repair that that's been a huge thing this year is like trusting the repair instead of beating Mm -hmm. myself up for a week. Um, because I lost my temper, losing Mm -hmm. your temper is normal. As a gentle parent, I tend to get like, I teach this. And so I think I'm above it all. And sometimes (laughs) it's really, it's really, really important for me to have super challenging moments with my kids and remember, oh yeah, like my life day to day is pretty hunky dory. And in most situations I have uh, like, uh, a like fairy land, unicorns and rainbows response to everything. And then some days I just lose my shit and I am not in a place where I can be patient or hold space for whatever you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's part of being human and yeah. you, you can make that repair. So the power of repair and trusting mm-hmm. that our relationships are stronger than, our day-to-day mistakes is huge. And that's something I want to teach my kids, right? That like, you can mess Mm -hmm. up and we'll still love you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, for everyone who wants to hire you, work with you, collaborate with you, where can they find and follow you?
0: Yes, I am at mindfulparentingrevolution.com. So if you are a newborn parent who wants to teach healthy sleep from the start, I would love for you to reach out um we have two courses that are getting ready to start here in february and one is sleep from the start super sweet and it involves um a group coaching aspect which i find to be really healing Mm -hmm. most parents in their newborn phase of life that one of the biggest challenges is feeling isolated insecure and lonely and yet Mm -hmm. when we offer group coaching where parents can all sort of come and experience this beautiful healing, positive, empowering space, they're really afraid to do it. They don't show they don't want to show up and be seen. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I challenge parents to show up and see and be seen. It's so wonderful. Both in the newborn Program and in the Mindful Parenting Program, so that's mm-hmm. my other group coaching program, and that runs in two ways. I have an um, an eight week course that mm-hmm. parents can take starting in February, and that is an amazing like walk through reparenting yourself so that you can parent your kids in the way that you really want to without punishment, without shame and with a lot more cooperation and connection. It's a beautiful experience. Um, Some parents have taken workshops locally or have um, worked with me online or to sleep train their kiddos, and they've gone on to join the monthly membership program so that parents Mm -hmm. can continue to have access to the coaching support and the online Mm -hmm. classes that they have in the eight-week program. So some parents are like, I just wanna jump into the membership and um, and I'm happy to let parents do that too. Um, there's a mm-hmm. the screening process. We're not going to do it if it doesn't feel good, if it's not fun, and if we can't laugh at ourselves and um, and share in the the humor that is present in all of our of our failability and uh, challenges in life. So, if that interests you, parents, please reach out. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I have loved our conversation. I'm so glad that we finally did this. Thank you for being a yes to me and to sharing your wisdom with everyone listening and the Powerful Ladies community. Thank you. All the links to connect with Christine and Mindful Parenting Revolution are in our show notes at thepowerfulladies.com. Subscribe to this podcast, give it a rating and review, and then come hang out with us on Instagram at Powerful Connect directly with me by visiting caraduffy.com or Kara underscore duffy on Instagram. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode and new amazing guest. Until then, I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love.